So, Matt, so we've been, do- we've been doing this Dictionary of Finance podcast, uh, but we haven't really talked about bank robberies. That's a that's a finance thing, right? Robbing a bank is no crime compared to owning one. That's what Bertolt Brecht said. And so maybe now they pretend to own things. They don't just go into the banks and uh, and say, you know, here's a gun, give me some money, because, of course, that's a big risk. Maybe they have other ways of doing it. And I think there's less cash in banks these days, right? So it's not worth really going into a bank. So how do that's they... True. Why does anyone even go into a bank anyway? Yeah. Even if they don't want to rob it, what, what do you do in a bank? Anyway, that's another thing. So how do you rob a bank these days? You have to... Maybe you have to pretend to be a mm. bank or a company hmm. or something like that. That's probably that's probably that's probably fraud. That's that's probably what our anti-fraud people deal with on a day-to-day basis. This week on the Dictionary of Finance from the European Investment Bank, fraud and anti-fraud, the investigation of it. But we'll get into fraud first. We've got three experts here on fraud investigations. I was about to say experts on fraud. I suppose they are, even though they're not actually frauds themselves. In fact, they've got very good qualifications to talk about this. Sabrina Mancini is an investigative officer here at the European Investment Bank in the uh, Fraud Investigations Division. And she's here also with Marco Loretti, who's the coordinator of investigations, and Dominic Adamski, who is senior forensic officer. Mm, So CSI fans... Hang on until we get to Dominic and his forensic stuff there. You won't be disappointed. So when you're not investigating fraud and, and things like that, what kinds of things do you do to uh, to relax? Well, I have a lot of different hobbies, but one of my favorite one is piano playing. Ah, what kind of piano? Oh, uh, there like pop song, Alicia Keys, Hadal, News, Alicia and rock Keys. song. Oh, that's cheery. I mean, it must be... A nice, uh, cheerful uh, change to all the grim stuff you you have to deal with at work. Yeah, yeah, sure. That's a perfect way to relax when you go home in the evening. Talking of grim stuff, Marco, you used to work at the International Criminal Court and were dealing with some some pretty uh, well grim stuff. I guess. Uh, what was that like? Indeed, uh, I've been working three years to the International Criminal Court before joining the EIB. Uh, I was an investigator on illicit arms trafficking and uh, illicit exploitation of natural resources, uh, of course, in Africa. Uh, it was a very nice experience, uh, fantastic one, actually. I really loved it. Uh, of course, uh, there we were dealing with stuff pretty different from what you're doing here. I mean, here we have what you call white collar crime. There we have a genocide, homicide, and this kind of really terrible stuff. So uh, investigation technique, more or less, are actually the same, but the scope is a bit different. So, I mean, uh, there is uh, in life a time for everything. At some point, it's good to change, but... So that was blood diamonds and things like yeah, that? Yeah, uh, actually, also this stuff. More coltan for me, because actually in uh, in Africa, I mean, I was investigating in Ituri, which is in Democratic Republic of Congo, Central African Republic, South Sudan. Uh, the time, uh, basically, they were trading weapons against mainly colt and also diamond. But mainly, the time was more colt and that was used to uh, trade weapons in. Dominic, uh, one of your first jobs, I gather, you you had an opportunity not to not to carry out a fraud, but but certainly a robbery. Well, close, close. That was very close indeed. 
my first proper job was at a bank, at a universal bank, so commercial bank, unlike unlike EIB. And uh, I show up on the internship on the first or second day, I get a first task uh, to carry physically, to carry cash over from one vault in one bank to another bank opposite the street to another vault. And mm. it was like 20, 20 million uh, euros uh, in various currencies that I had to carry over physically in, in, in sacks. And you didn't just run off with them? No, and that was a test, yeah. <laughs> ah, okay. <laughs> but, so how heavy is money, really? How, mu- how, much can you, how much can you carry How much can you carry in one go? Well, it depends on the notes. I mean, uh, how, how, what is the nominal value of the uh-huh. notes? I remember that uh, uh, $2 million was about uh, 15 kg, mm. 15 kilos. Hmm. Uh, I don't know exactly what were the nominal values because they were in a sack and I couldn't see what was inside really. Hmm. Uh, but it was heavy. I remember I was sweating. I was sweating after you know carrying this this loads of. I money. think I could run a long way with fifteen kilograms, but perhaps not fast enough. Yeah, you'd certainly be motivated. I think. Now, if I ran away with that money, that would just be a robbery. It wouldn't be fraud, right? Correct, but at the same time, if you kind of use a stupid excuse just to facilitate your uh, like escape, that will be probably also considered a fraud in a way. Ah, okay. So let's let's get to what is fraud, Sabrina. What what is fraud? Yeah, f- fraud is any act of omission or any act of misrepresentation to try to gain a financial advantage. So that lets us a broad definition of fraud. And of course, um, pra- practically, you can have many kind of different examples of fraud. Uh, yeah, but that's a, a broad definition. So if we, if we discover fraud, if you discover fraud, do we just uh, alert the government and um, let them take care of it? Or why do, why do banks need a, uh, a separate anti-fraud function? Well, uh, just, just to clarify... Banks, commercial banks, probably they're not always they will need a system or an instrument, a body dealing with fraud. The EIB certainly does because uh, we have a public body, we have public interest, so we have to keep a high standard ethics in the way we spend our money. So fraud is something which, of course, uh, can uh, seriously jeopardize the capability of the EIB to to provide financing to the to our counterparts. Uh, we need it because uh, the AB is uh, managing a lot of money. It's not a surprise for anyone. And when you have a lot of money, unfortunately, you have people that want a part of this money and they're ready to do that, uh, to do whatever they can. Uh, they're ready to whatever in order to take some of this money. So that's why we need a strong uh, investigative function. Uh, dealing regarding the question if uh, we are alerting the government, things like that. In uh, in general, fraud is a criminal conduct everywhere in Europe. So at some point, we find one, we will refer the case to the judicial authority. Outside Europe, we need to sue. Not always we will do that because you also need to keep in consideration that some countries may not respect human rights. And therefore, we do not uh, refer cases in countries where there may be the danger that someone is put, I don't know, in, uh, in, uh, in jail or in condition which are not matching the respect to human rights. So how, we'll do how do you guard against fraud? If someone is determined to carry out a fraud, how do you find them out? So first of all, you have to put in place specific pro- uh, policies and procedure internally uh, that deal with that. Because um, at EIB, we do have an um, anti-fraud policy and uh, which has a zero risk tolerance. The thing is that 
zero risk tolerance does, that, does not mean zero risk appetite. So we have to accept that environment in which we are working, and this is our risk appetite. But uh, in the same way, uh, when something happens, when there is a specific risk in one of our projects, we should not accept it, we should not tolerate it. And this is where uh, the practical implementation of the policy comes, that as soon as there is um, any suspicion of fraud or even corruption, because under our anti-fraud policy we don't deal only about fraud but also other kind of prohibited conduct, uh, there should be an obligation to report it. Either uh, it's uh, by the staff member but also by our counterpart uh, involved in our project and all those reports should come directly to the fraud investigation division so that we have the possibility to launch an investigation to find out what has happened and to launch the proper recommendation and remedies um, to our operational colleague uh, to, uh, to tackle that situation uh, on the project. In terms of finding fraud, um, there is a whole science. And, and That's the forensics. For example, yes, That's indeed. what you do. <laughs> well, indeed. Uh, forensic accounting is, is... It's not dead bodies. No, it's uh. not about uh, autopsies. Okay. <laughs> All right. So we can relax. I was, I, was hoping to keep, I was hoping to keep the listeners going for another 10 minutes or so before we got to the, the whole disappointment over the fact that it's not dead bodies. Stay, yet. stay tuned. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. <laughs> yeah, there might be soon. Stay tuned. Yes. Stay tuned. So forensic accounting. Uh, forensic accounting. So uh, uh, when fraud is committed, it often, um, for example, um, when money is being simply pocketed uh, from the uh, from the bank's uh, vault or or from the uh, from the petty cash fund of the company, uh, there has to be some manipulation associated with that of the books of the records in order to conceal the fraud, and that's what fraudsters often do. They, after committing the fraud, they conceal the fraud. They do some accounting entries to, to disguise and, and to hide it. And so, therefore, we have the forensic accounting science, which analyzes uh, the books and records and analyzes them by undertaking a set of uh, logical tests in, in the big data of, of the accounting records, accounting systems of, of, of the company. And, you know, the, the search is really the search is after some anomalies that can be spotted in, in those accounting records. For example, Accounting entries made at night or uh, over the weekend, uh, and usually high transactions entered at night, for example, manually by, by some employees. These are the types of, let's say, abnormal patterns that can be spotted by forensic accountants. Hmm. And, and these are spotted by, by powerful computers that go yes. through all the entries and, and look yes. for these uh, suspicious patterns? We are talking of millions of transactions, uh, which are recorded in the banking or in, in any accounting system yeah, of, of, of a normal company. And this has to be analyzed by computers. Is that the most common type of fraud where, where companies manipulate the books or are other other types of fraud that uh, companies who approach a bank for a loan also um, also commit? What, what, what other misrepresentations do they make? In our case, actually, probably is not one of the most common. The Typical case that we have in the AB are usually procurement fraud. As you know, we finance big projects, railway, uh, electric uh, power station, things like that. Uh, the fraud here stays usually in the phases where the terms of reference of the project is designed, mainly that when we decide how this project will look like. Because in this way, 
it's possible to address already the construction to a specific company. So if you, for example, choose in the design uh, sheet of the project particular technology or part include some uh, specific aspect of the project, you will probably already make sure that one company could win the tender. So actually that's where the money usually is paid to win the tender. It's not mainly in the evaluation project. Uh, sorry, in the evaluation process is mostly at the beginning, what actually the terms of reference are draft. Mm -hmm. So already in, uh, when, when a company comes and you look at the terms of reference, you uh, are trying to spot whether, um, whether there's some anomaly uh, that, that uh, means that part of the money will not be very efficiently spent. It's, it's possible that, yes, indeed, it's possible that already at this stage uh, uh, something can be spotted. Um, Dominic would probably more uh, could deal with something like that in the PIR exercise. We'll probably speak about it later on. Uh, on our side, on investigation, we are more a reaction, uh, let's say, a reactive uh, role, meaning that we will intervene when we receive a specific allegation. Uh, investigation, in fact, our role is to intervene when we receive. Uh, a specific allegation something is going wrong. So these allegations, they would be made by like whistleblowers, competitors? Correct. Could be whoever, external, internal. Um, basically, everyone is entitled to give us information. We encourage everyone to uh, contact us in case you, they think there may be something uh, we should know. As long as uh, the source is in good faith, we are perfectly fine with that. doesn't mean to be sure. It's good that the source is in good faith. Who would you normally get in touch with? I mean, you mentioned that people can get in touch with the EIB, but let's say it's not connected to one of our projects. If you think that there's been some kind of fraud, how do you report it? You mean externally in case? Yes. Uh, well, uh, there is number of uh, contact points where an external source can actually approach uh, the EIB. Uh, of course, we have an investigation mailbox where you can just write even anonymous email uh, uh, giving all the information you would like to, to, to provide. You can uh, contact by phone, by personal emails. Someone can go also to Olaf directly if for some reason doesn't trust the EIB in a wall because... Mm -hmm. You just mentioned Olaf. Can you tell us what Olaf is? All right. Uh, Olaf is the European Anti-Fraud Office, which is competent for carrying out investigation in all the European institutions. Also in the EIB, we have a good cooperation with them because... We have some overlapping roles, so we, we work together whenever possible. Yeah, in terms of reporting, we also have a reporting form on the EIB website, which have been translated in uh, uh, around 30 languages to give the possibility to people in different countries, even people which are not speaking, you know, EU uh, languages, such as, you know, Arabic, for example, to be able to report in their own languages directly mm -hmm. to us. So, Dominic, we mentioned forensic mm -hmm. accounting. What other techniques or tools can you use to investigate fraud? Um, yeah, Marco mentioned uh, the Proactive Integrity Review, uh, which is uh, our EIB's uh, tool, which is different from investigations. It's, it's not an investigation, really. It's, it's an attempt to um, identify anomalies or irregularities in an, in an EIB operation uh, before uh, at an early stage, at an early stage before it gets uh, reported by somebody else, or before it it is addressed in the media, uh, which we want to avoid, uh, it's a pretty um, ambitious task, you know, to predict where 
where fraud can occur. And if, if you if you maybe saw the movie uh, Minority Report mm-hmm. uh, with Tom Cruise, where uh, where the the concept was that um, there there would be a system for for future for uh, future prediction future, of, yeah. of 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 um, uh, fraud before even the idea of fraud uh, comes to somebody's mind. Uh, that's that's almost impossible. Uh, we are trying, uh, and we have indeed um, a methodology for for assessing the the risk of irregularities on EIB operations, and and it's a pretty complex model, which again um, uh, draws from from the data that the EIB collects on its own operations, and we using that data we we have put a number of of rules and logic in order to identify indications that this project could be affected by some irregularities, including but not only fraud. Do you also train our loan officers to to be able to spot things that should make them suspicious? Yeah, we have put in place um, a fraud awareness uh, training, which is uh, compulsory for all our loan officer and uh, also legal monitoring officer working on the project. And uh, the main uh, focus of the training is really to help them to identify identify red flag or fraud and corruption so that to understand what when something looks wrong and when they could should come to us so it's not only about you know uh, developing knowledge but also helping them to implement the zero zero tolerance uh, policy statement of EIB in their daily uh, day-to-day work. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I, I, I'm pretty sure that we don't want, we don't want to tell the listeners what those red flags would be, but uh, but uh, you know we we've discussed accounting fraud, we've discussed uh, um, procurement uh, irregularities. Are there other other types of fraud that have been attempted uh, at the bank that you could bring just mention as as examples of the kinds of things? crooks try to do? There is a number, but if you want something kind of funny, uh, it's serious, but (laughs) maybe it's kind of funny. Regarding crooks, uh, lately there is a number of people who actually try to use the name of the European Investment Bank to get some money. And uh, we had a case uh, where one of these scams, very well articulated, was put in place. Basically, a businessman's actually pretty established. So, I mean, someone who already was owning a four plants uh, across Europe, uh, managed to get in touch with some uh, allegedly uh, EIB agent who convinced him to apply for a loan of 50 million euro. And uh, the guy, in order to get this loan, uh, probably very good condition, uh, paid 400,000 euro for a guarantee in London to uh, a lawyer, of course, was a fake one. The funny stuff is actually the guy, when uh, we spoke with him uh, later on, and he said that uh, he traveled himself to Brussels and visited the AB premises in Brussels and spoke also with the president. And uh, <laughs> wow. the building there was a brass plate with EAB, so it was <laughs> like uh, something well established. So apparently the scammers rented a kind of a building uh-huh. and set up uh, offices, secretaries. And, uh, I wonder if they had an impersonator of our president as well. well. I, I, we don't know, but I guess there was uh, apparently a president plus uh-huh. other people that impersonating a number of the agents, and the guy was pretty well convinced. So. But this fraudster got away, so he got the 400000 he, he got away with 400, Yeah, no, uh, the guys are under, uh, actually under... Uh, under trial currently, ah. so they were all caught. But uh, but indeed, it's like, strange enough that someone who could look like, uh, wow. like someone which like with the past is not so uh, easy to to to, you know, to to fraud was actually fall into this kind of scam, which is wow. 
So, so how did we find out about that one? Well, uh, this is actually was this is particularly was kind of interesting because at some point I think the guy understood that something was wrong with this because he paid the money, nothing was happening, so he got in touch with the real AB and uh, probably started to realize that something went wrong. Uh, so that was actually a pretty easy one. So. Hmm. What what are the biggest threats today? Because you know everyone here at the bank has to do a, a training in anti money laundering, and what does the CFT stand for? Financing of terrorism. Ah yes, combating the financing of terrorism. So is is fraud a big thing in terrorism at the moment? A lot of terrorists use fraud to raise money. Is well, uh, not really. Actually, uh, financing of terrorism is, is specifically more linked to money laundering in a way because uh, uh, terrorists get financing from a number of sources, uh, even criminal activity, probably not fraudulent, more often traffic of uh, drugs or uh, weapons, things like that. Uh, it's more linked to the money laundering because uh, in order to deliver the money to the terrorists, of course, mm, the origin, the source of the money must be concealed and in a way must be still concealed the final destination. So all the uh, facts that, like all the structure that you can put in place in order to uh, conceal this transaction are falling to this kind of money laundering and, finance and uh, uh, terrorist financing uh, practices. Is money laundering fraud? No, money laundering is not fraud. Money laundering is defined as all these activities that conceal the origin of the money. If you are a big criminal, let's say you are a mafia guy, you probably raise millions of euros per, per month. At some, at some point, you will have the problem what to do with this money. You cannot keep it at your place. You cannot put it under the bed. You cannot bring them in the bank because the bank will start making questions. Like, well, where's this money coming from? And, and you don't have Dominic to carry the sacks. <laughs> <Yes. right. laughs> Dominic actually, actually was the job of the future. If at the time, <laughs> probably. So, uh, so, 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 so the fraud happened probably before the money laundering. Correct. So for money laundering, you should have what we call a predicated offense. And the whole objective of the money laundering will be to hollow you to use that money in the... Uh, let's say, you know, normal world, like in the real economy. Now, we've discussed some pretty uh, pretty uh, dark and stark examples of, of fraud with someone pretending to be the EIB and, and, and so forth. But I, I assume there's, there's more subtle um, examples of fraud where a company comes to us and just tries to make their um, balance, sheet, balance sheet look slightly rosier than, than it actually is. Is that still fraud? Uh, well, on, on this point, I have to say that uh, I believe that uh, EIB is well protected uh, through the extensive assessment process, uh, evaluation of the, of the operations. Uh, we do a very thorough analysis. We, I mean the EIB services, uh, thoroughly analyze various, various projects which are submitted for EIB financing. So there's not so much uh, of an opportunity in the end uh, for, for fraudsters to come up with a bogus idea to extort money from EIB. This is often the case for, for commercial banks, uh, but so far within EIB, we did not have that many of, of attempts uh, even to, to extort money uh, for an illegal purpose mm. or for a non-existing project. Mm. So, so we have, don't have people coming in saying that I've discovered a cure for cancer that doesn't actually exist and they, they walk away with well, a lot of money. Yeah, we do have people who, who come with such ideas, uh -huh. but I think they, in the, in the process of, of uh, the appraisal of the operations, such, such ideas are verified. 
What do we do after the loan is made to ensure that there's not fraud going on then, maybe even a few years later? Because, of course, these loans that a bank, or in, in this case, the European Investment Bank makes, can go on for decades. Mm-hmm. How closely are we looking at what happens five or ten years down the line to make sure that there's no fraud in the company that's uh, that's taking the loan? Yes, so while I said that uh, we are pretty well, uh, as a bank, we are pretty well um, confident that uh, we assess the projects as they are submitted for EIB financing, a number of other risks exist in the area of actual implementation of the law. Um, there are great opportunities, as we said, in the process of procurement, for example, that money can be, um, that bribes can be paid in order to secure a contract for a preferred bidder, for a preferred general contractor. Um, there, there is a number of other opportunities where money can be simply misused or used for other purposes than agreed with, with, that, with that counterparty. Um, so the bank does monitor the operations, and uh, on top of that, uh, we within the Fraud Investigations Division, uh, we do have the proactive integrity reviews. And that's this methodology that the purpose of it, of it is to identify potential irregularities in the implementation of the project. The minority report thing, it may surprise you to know this is not the first time Tom Cruise has come up in one of our uh, Dictionary of Finance podcasts. The other one was actually the episode which I encourage our listeners to go back and listen to on Collateral. Collateral being one of his most fantastic movies, of course. Uh, But one of the things that um, Peter Balash, who was our guest that day on on Collateral from our finance area, said, don't ever have Collateral that has uh, legs or wheels because it can walk away or be driven away. Would that be fraud if someone disappears with something that's supposed to be Collateral in a loan? Well, uh, could be fraud, let's say, I mean, uh, could be fraud hypothetically because, you know, you define a fraud like any, any, any act, if you want, which uh, uses uh, some kind of practice to mislead the bank or whoever gave you money in order to, you know, to get a, an undue benefit. So uh, in this respect, it's possible that maybe the bank is given documents which are not accurate or which uh, suggest that the reality is different from what it is. That the reality is actually will be a typical fraudulent behavior. Sabrina, Marco and Dominic, thank you so much for telling us all about fraud and fraud investigations here today on a Dictionary of Finance. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and uh, our forthcoming podcast, uh, Future Europe. You can get it on iTunes, everywhere else that you can get podcasts, including Acast. Also, we welcome your feedback. Uh, I'm uh, on Twitter at Allartankler, A-L-L-A-R-T-A-N-K-L-E-R. And I'm easier to type, at E-I-B Matt, E-I-B-M-A-T-T. And we'll be back with another fabulous episode next week on a dictionary of finance from the European Investment Bank. What's Tom Cruise?